Hello, and welcome to another episode of PJ Shea's Board Game Alliance. I am your host, Joey, fixing IT problems D's. That was an easy one. <laughs> oh, it's a nice way to start out episode number 114. With me, of course, is Sean Epperson of Think 12 Games. Oh, hey, hey. Josh Utley of the Omega Gamers is with us here as well. Hey, how's it going? And Vicky B running the boards. Hello, Vicky. Welcome back. I was kind of half expecting them to be like, no, you got it wrong. It's not IT. It's it. <laughs> it's problems. <laughs> well, I think the mistakes comes in. Did you fix the problem? We did. We had printer issues this morning, and I nearly broke the thing Office Space style. I was computer problems. I'll get creative. Sean watched me turn it on and off again like four times. He did. But did you get your stapler? Oh yes. Okay. Swing on my baby. It's my stapler. On today's episode, we will talk about the Toy Hall of Fame winners. Recently, we had the nominees, but we have the grand champions. We'll talk about games played as well as stuff from all those quick starters and game founds and all those backer sites. Josh, how can the lovely Geek Nationals get a hold of us? Just go to bjgeeknation.com and you get all the podcast blogs, interviews, videos, links, and more. More! What kind of more? Well, go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> YouTube, iTunes, or odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey! <laughs> as I previously mentioned, we did talk about the Toy Hall of Fame nominees, and there were a lot of cool toys that were up for this year's winners, but of course there must always be, well, I think three champions in this sense, is that correct? There is. Two Th of them are deserving. Two of them. Two of three. Okay, not bad. <laughs> Better than I would have expected. Vicky, you were not here for this, but if you no. could have guessed what you would have been nominated for to Toy Hall of Fame. Now, this is not just board games, because what were some of the great things? I think we had like Rock'em Sock'em Robots... We had Over the, years, the yeah. dreidel yep. or the spinner. What else did we have? Stick. Stick. Yeah, stick one. Skeletor was a nominee that we wanted to throw in there, but I don't yeah. think he made it in, unfortunately. So they have stick thrown in. When do we get, like, wrapping paper roll? Ah, oh, yes. Like, both yeah. before and after the wrapping paper. You, you mispronounced least. lightsaber. <laughs> Excuse me. My apologies. Or beating stick, apparently, is. Wow. My sister would beat me with those things every day. Yeah, that's what sisters do with those. That is what they do with them, yes. Well, anyways, well, let's go over these top three winners. Who wants to take what? a guess so at what? one? These top three? Yeah. Oh, okay. The Four. three of the top oh, three. Oh, I don't think yeah. he's agreeing with you. No, no. Oh. I, no, no. What's the first one there on your list? Ah. <laughs> well, yes. One of uh, the nominees was a top. And top one. The dreidel spinner. <laughs> oh. Top spinner. The inductee year of 2022. Ancient peoples of Greece and Rome amused themselves with toys resembling the spinning tops we know today. Found almost 5,000 years ago in clay tops. And I, found in every kid's stupid little uh, birthday bag thing. I filled up a bunch of those recently. Yeah. And there are so many tops in the little mixed bag of stuff. I, I must disagree with this because it is the great-grandfather of the Beyblade, which I have a <laughs> vicious hate for. Fair. So noisy. Sean, what do you think of this? Uh, I think it's fine. It tops are fun. <laughs> Who doesn't like a good Tops are um, fun. Sell like now on eBay. Get out. <laughs> uh, my nephews are coming to your house, and well, they're bringing their Beyblades, and they will sit next to your head. It brings you frustration, and that brings me joy. Yeah, probably. So, <laughs> so that is the best game. <laughs> it is. So it deserves to be nominated to the Toy Hall of Fame. Vicky, you have oh. a younger little brother. Yes. Does he play with Tops at all? You said all you filled bags with them. Yeah, he didn't really know what, how, they were, how they work. He played them for a hot minute, because there was like three of them in each bag. And that was about it. They broke at some point, and then we're done. <laughs> Can well, you please did. send him over to break all the Beyblades? Unfortunately, they're oh, designed to break apart. 
but I need them more broke. Oh, more he broken. He can do that. He, he shall can smash. definitely do that. <laughs> well, Top, you did make it in. I can't really disagree with Josh on this one. This was not one that had my vote. Um, tops are cool and everything, but like Vicky said, they're like three minutes and then you're done. But you it, ma- it makes sense to why it won. It's been around for so long and it's still something that can be used. That's true. They do sell still. So, I mean, if you last that long and you're still in those little packets, I guess you deserve mm-hmm. a place. Hey, if Stick can make it in. That, that's <laughs> true. Hey, you know, Stick has provided hours of countless fun for teenagers everywhere and toddlers. <laughs> teenagers. Stick. <laughs> the next on our list. Now, this one. Yes. One hundred percent. I believe this one is valid and scarring. It is light. Scarring. It is bright. Yeah, because see, your era light bright was LED and battery opt. My early LED or light bright was was plug in, in, baby. Okay, the old school light bulb. My era. What? How? How young do you think I am? (laughs) I'm. Thank you. The skeletal (laughs) age. Wait, you're not the same age. I, I'm like, trying to be nice to you. This room. That's actually a clone of Sean. He's wearing a Stormtrooper's hat. I'm fairly certain this is young Sean right now. <laughs> All I know is that the early 80s liability laws were not as strict. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that is, yes, the light bright. It is our inductee number two. In 1966, a New York City window oh, wow. display feature, or New York window display featuring hundreds of colors, colored lights inspired toy creators. I won't even mention them because... Their names you probably won't recognize. <laughs> uh, they convinced everyone to build a plaything off of this idea, which, you know, not a bad idea as it turns out. But to Josh's point, I did blind myself multiple times on the light bright. <laughs> so, you know, first iterations are always a little bumpy, as we know. The rules book has to be you know, fleshed out a little bit. When the back of the light bright as a kid had the brown burn spot from the <laughs> light bulb coming oh. through the back of the plastic. It was kind of a clue. It's just quality right there. See, that... I never had one. I was always jealous. I oh. always wanted one. And I feel like the reason why it made it in this year was because of Stranger Things. Yes. Ooh, I, good call, know, Vicky. I think you're right. And it may have been our parents putting in a 300-watt light bulb. <laughs> uh, Probably didn't need that. Help. Maybe that's why Sean still has his eyesight and Josh's <laughs> is going. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Light brights are dangerous, though, because you can make whatever you want on those things. They always have a picture of a clown on the light bright box. Not scary at all. Gotta <laughs> tell you, don't think many people did clowns. <laughs> I did some maybe inappropriate objects. <laughs> Moving on from the lovely light brights, we have our final winner. Of the Toy Hall of Fame 2022. Oh. And this one's awesome because it actually does feature Skeletor. Yes. Masters of the Universe. As the, a whole. As a whole. This story of Masters of the Universe begins in 1979 when Ray Wagner and Mattel informed a male action team to explore creation of the company's next big action figure line. And my God, if you see these images of these first two action figures, <laughs> that's a whole lot of chest and not a lot of waist. <laughs> <Yes>. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Skeletor were, and He-Man, of course. They worked out at the same gym. They did. They did. They took the same steroids, apparently. <laughs> One day, Skeletor didn't wipe down the machine, and He-Man, from then on, had to... Uh, oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. He's a master of the universe. He was a master of something. <laughs> uh, and this, of course, sparked even a reboot of uh, the animated show we got, I think, last year, right? A few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been several. And, of course, you know, the, the do- is Skeletor really that evil? Yes. Okay. No, he's a good guy. He's <laughs> he's a misunderstood. I, my yes was a 
Yes, but it's good. Yes. Oh. Okay, that's Have it. you not seen the viral video of him twerking? No. <laughs> Skeletor oh is the, the Damon of of He Man. Yes. It's like okay. He is evil. You know he's evil, but you like him for it. Exactly. He's a good evil. <laughs> and of course, he's the great meme that we always see of someone telling you a truth and then their skeletal running yes. away. Yes. Until <laughs> yeah. next time. The truth you didn't need to hear. <laughs> the light bright will actually blind you. I'm away. <laughs> Those are your, of course, top three Toy Hall of Fame winners this year. I assume that we're all going to land on Masters of the Universe being the favorite. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Vicky? I, I'll agree. Yes! I hate tops. <laughs> four out of four. Take that top. <laughs> you will not be the winner ever again. Top was a top. seniority thing. Mm. Yeah. Top was the popular. It's like people at high school. <laughs> yeah, that's what I remember. <laughs> Come on, guys. We're going to Top Club. I love Top Club. <laughs> top Club. I was the first person to love Shut Top Club. Shut up, Sean. <laughs> Shut up, Sean. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Promoting. <laughs> yeah, the uh, admittance of top club means there was a bottom club at some point. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey. hey, whoa! On that note, we'll move along. Um, you know, speaking of games played, games played, top club. Uh, <laughs> Josh, Sean, it's been a month with me. It's been a month of board gaming, and you know we love board gaming. We're getting to that holiday season. We have Thanksgiving coming up. We have Christmas, and about seven weeks of what should be vacation will probably be hard work of gaming. <laughs> yes. What gaming will be done? And what have you been doing now? Well, I got to a new Kickstarter in, and it is, for short, DEI. Now I'm going to go into D-E-I? my... DEI? DEI. Now let's use my Roman Latin here. <laughs> Divide et impera. Did it just as well as I pronounced my names, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> it translates to divide and rule. Ah, I was going to go conquer, but that makes more sense. Yeah, I, I went there first, and I looked it up, and I like, oh. And it does make sense for the game, because in this game... There are the purebreds. This is a post-apocalyptic snowpocalypse. I would not have guessed that. I was going pre, not post. <laughs> <laughs> you know, divide and conquer. Yeah. Oh, this is very much. Yeah. So imagine, uh, look out the window. You see all these tall buildings here in Seattle. Imagine that the snow and drift is so high that the only way to access any of these buildings is from the roof. Okay. And maybe the tallest one is three stories tall. That's not that, tall. That's uh, no, it's that tall, that much snow. Oh, so you can only access the top three floors of the Columbia Tower. I see what you're saying. So in this harsh, endless winter, coming soon, <laughs> uh, the purebreds need supplies, right? And they have manipulated the factions to compete for the supplies, basically, so they get them all. So this is not a happy story. <laughs> So what you're saying is that's why Sean wore his Stormtrooper helmet today. That's why Sean wears his Stormtrooper helmet (laughs) every every day. (laughs) (laughs) But you, so you take on one of the factions and you are kind of blindly must get supplies for the purebreds. And you are competing against players using action cards to move around both across these buildings and up and down with elevators uh, to gather supplies. And basically that's how you gather victory points. Okay, through the supply. So not through, you know, stealing and or murdering for my. Uh, I had every faction has a drone, which can be remote hacked from anybody if they buy the right card. My drone may have had a kill feature. Oh, may. <laughs> may have. Yes. When and did people realize it did? <laughs> when, uh, when their people died. Ah. Yeah. So my drone could you'd do that, run around. It's basically an area majority game. If you can get into a spot and have the most at the end of the move, 
you now control the spot. And if there's resources there, you can pick them up. You spend those resources to buy new cards because your hand of cards, the size stays the same. So when you buy a card, you're getting rid of a card. So you're just upgrading your cards. Uh, but it was turned out to be a very simple game to play. Played over four rounds, three action phases per round, two cards per action phase. That's all you're doing. And But it's pretty deep. You're trying to, not the snow, you're trying to <laughs> Don't fall in the snow. just move around, control some outposts, and unlock some feats, and then complete missions. And what's cool about the missions is when it's time to complete a mission, you can complete a mission for this round and get maximize the points, or a future round and maximize points off future rounds, but you're only allowed to complete one per round. So let's say round one, I'm like, ooh, that round four mission is really good for me. I can get that right now. I'll do that and I'll get the most points. But by the time I get to round four, I can't complete a mission in that round. So now I have to look back at one of the ones I didn't do, which I can do, but now I have to do the bottom part of the card, which is less points because it's a previous round. Ah, so doing them on their actual round, you get more bonuses? On the actual round is the best way if you can do it because you're not getting it ahead of time, so you get the maximized points. But you might think doing the future one is like, great, I'm going to block it off. I'll get it now. It gets lots of points. But what you actually did is you hampered yourself from getting more points in that fourth round. Ah, always tough. But that's good because I like planning ahead. I mean, I like that complexity in a board game. How did we do on runtime, and did you win? We played a three-player game, and it took about an hour and a half, but that was our first play. It's not bad at all. Uh, but the last three rounds were clicking along really good. And we did have some uh, talking that we usually do. A little talking. <laughs> but uh, the base game comes with four factions, and then the expansion content is like... I think five or six more factions, and that's how it expands. It doesn't expand with a lot of, here's a whole bunch more boards, it's here's another faction. And they play very differently. So that's that looks cool, looks fun. There is a campaign mode you can do, and there is some, like an additional tile, like the Big Ben tile, and it's the top of Big Ben. Ooh. So, or the London Bridge, and it's all toppled down and half half buried, so you can do that. And it's just a tile with different resources and stuff. So. Oh, hello. Oh, look, it's right on time. Look at that. And I had turned that off, too. So uh -huh. what is that? Does this mean that you won the game, Josh? I did. I, I knew I it. I, in fact, did win the money. game. That was planned. <laughs> Don't let him fool you, people. Wow. Conveniently, then I also won the game. Dun, dun, dun. That sounds fun. I like the idea of the tiles creating uh, more gameplay, you know? Yeah. Also adding that theme and that those cool little locations. Like, you add pretty much anything you want at that point, I assume. Yeah. That's yeah. tough. Uh, yeah, I really like it a lot. The building the bridges is fun. And it doesn't, it's not really overthinky on how to play, just what to do while you're playing. Yeah, yeah. So. And an hour and a half is great. I mean, that, I mean, especially if it starts clicking at the end, that means when you replay it, you'll probably go faster. You'll be in about yeah, an hour. Yeah, definitely. Moving on from Josh's lovely, uh, convenient ding for his win. Uh, <laughs> Sean, what have you been playing? I got one that you might be interested in, Joey. Yes. Uh, How many war elephants are there? Well, there's no war elephants. Dang but it. Uh, this takes, well, the concept is, um, it, the game's called Compromat. And it's by, uh, let's see here, Compromat is by Helvetic. And now this is a small box game. I found this at our local board game store, Zulu's mm. Board Game Cafe. Shout out. And uh, the art looked really interesting, but what caught my attention was the mechanic is based on blackjack. I love blackjack. So this is a two-player game. 
what you do is you put out four mission cards. Now, those cards are either going to be uh, worth points or they're like a set collection thing. The more of this thing that I get, the more points I'll have. Or they are items. And what you do is you will choose one of those four cards and you'll put a card face up. And that's the card that you're playing on for that round. And you basically play blackjack into that, that specific card. So I've got one face up and I decide, do I want to draw another card? And I'm trying to get as close to 21 without going over. Now, if I bust, I have to stop, but I can also choose just to, no, I'm, okay, I'm good. Now, every other card that I play is going to be face down. Now, it goes to your turn, and what you're going to do is you're going to choose one of those four cards. You could choose the card that I played into and then decide, well, I'm going to, I think I can beat Sean based on what, how many cards he has, the one card that's face up that's showing, and I'm going to try and, and win that item because we're going to play into all four. All, both players. So I see. So the first card shows a number, say, let's say a seven, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get to 21, and you're, say, on the other opposite side, you have an eight, and you're right. trying to get to 21, and I see, well, you have one card, and I have three cards. Yes. I'm, I'm like, far more likely you, to be at you 21. Prob- you, or you may have busted. You've got enough cards out there. I'm like, eh, oh. you probably, you may have gone over. And I blindly take a card kind of a thing. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, you have to decide, like, well, do I, do I go for this next one? Now, the cards that you have in your hand that you're playing, they're all numbers, but they are different kinds of numbers. So there's like a 0.5, uh, there's a 1, and an 11. And you decide when you reveal what you want that to be. Oh, that's cool. So you could have like a bunch of cards out there and actually like be under 21. It's really, really cool gameplay. Uh, the items give you, you know, cool things to do, like um, getting to look at the top three cards of your deck so you know what cards are going to be coming up, uh, making someone reveal their hand on their side so you know exactly what you're playing against. Um, now there's also a really cool thing, kind of a push your luck thing on top of that, where some of the items will have, um, this thing called intrigue. They'll have this exclamation mark on them. Now, when you win a card that has intrigue on it, you take those intrigue as points. That's how many intrigue you get. If you ever have nine on your side of the table before the game is over, the game immediately ends and you lose. Oh, you lose. So you don't want intrigue. However, uh, if the game ends and we've gone through all the cards and you have, under nine intrigue, then you flip those over, and each one is a point. Interesting. So you kind of do want intrigue, but you don't want too much intrigue. Oh, see, that's where the greed's going to get you, especially in a game of like gambling. Yeah. Kind of, you know, I played some it's, blackjack in my day. This is such a really cool game. The visuals are really like very stark. Um, just a couple of colors, really, you know, really unique look. Um, I've played this several times with a couple of different people, and they really, really dug it. You know, super fast to play, plays in like 15, 20 minutes, so you can do multiple games. Who did that one? What's that? Who did that one? Uh, That is Compromat by Helvetic. Awesome. I'm excited to try it. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, this is a game I've definitely, I think, heard of. I think I even played this game with you guys once, right, Josh? You did. Yes. On Mars, I'm fairly (laughs) certain I got stomped in this game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I remember our play. It was at Dice Tower West. Okay, so this was it. Okay, that's what and I thought. And you oh. did not get stomped. We oh, were it was me, you and your dad. So that last turn took us all a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for every one of us. I remember staring at that board trying to analyze my options and figure out which way to get that one more point than the other option. Yes, and, and I remember this because this was like I think this is right before we were going to get dinner. Yeah, and we're all just sort of staring, like, hold on, hold on, hold on, it's need a minute, shh, and staring, and staring. <laughs> so this game is by uh, Vital Lacerda, so he makes slightly crunchy games. Yes. Uh, this was published by Eagle Griffin Games, you can find it. 
Uh, this is on Mars, and it you're doing it's a worker placement game where you are building settlements on Mars, and it's very come at from a scientific point of view, and it's a worker placement game at its core. There are places to be in orbit of Mars, and that's where you get blueprints and you get scientific advancement and you get technologies. And But then you got to take that down to Mars, and that's where you need to build shelters and build buildings and recruit scientists and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But you get uh, shuttles that bring more workers, but if you don't have – uh, shelters for your workers, then they're useless for you because they, they remain unavailable. But to build shelters, that requires oxygen. And to get oxygen, that requires plants. To get plants, that requires water. To get water, that requires mining and minerals and all this. Other. So it, it has this circle of life built into it where you have to kind of do things in this order and it's a little ton of planning out. It's like, okay, I know if I go here, then I'll be able to do that, which will then on my next turn be able to hopefully do that and that and that. And so. That's what I remember is my first playthrough. I think this was like our second game of the day, I want to say, or even maybe third. And it, this is a very order of operations game like you're saying. Because there's that huge cycle, if you skip or try to do something out of order, oh, the headache. Because all of a sudden you're like, now I'm pinched on this resource and this resource. And I remember on that last turn – Every calorie in my body had already been burned just yeah. trying to figure out half of what my last turn was going to be. And I'm like, can we just go to the restaurant now? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to win. <laughs> well, we, we were close. And this game is definitely a game that benefits from multiple plays, not just because you understand it more, but it really locks in with the flow of the game. Like this one seems like, oh, I can never learn this. It's so crunchy. But this game I taught probably five, six times at that con. Yeah. And the, the the role on it got faster and faster every time, and people seemed to understand. There wasn't a lot of questions. What took time was just the actual playing and trying to map out in your own head, what's my optimal move? Exactly. And once you get it, you get it. It does yeah. click quickly. And there's no no killing each other, no, no super aggressive things. What might happen is you might uh, – take a spot somebody else wanted to take uh, as far as building a settlement. Can never see that happening in our groups. <laughs> not no, not Sean. No, everyone is so agreeable. Sean no, no, will turn it into a full competitive <laughs> game. It's like, my rover is going to crush your rover. That doesn't happen in the game, Sean. It oh, does. BattleBots. That's when I give it NOS. <laughs> I'll make that happen. <laughs> but that game is phenomenally good. It's older, but we played it again, and I got to play it again and again. That's awesome. No, I mean, I, it's one that I, I never hear anything bad about. Obviously, the first playthrough for any game that is this crunchy is going to be a little bumpy, but every time everywhere after that, I've heard great things from people just really enjoying it. It does have the best uh, who goes first mechanism ever. Always Josh? No. no. <laughs> Whoever watched The Martian last. Interesting. Okay. That's the Matt Damon one? Yep. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. It's very on theme. It is on theme. On Mars. He did do a lot of growing of potatoes, if I remember correctly. Yes. Let's not remember how he grew. Yeah, let's, not, let's move on from that. Sean, <laughs> yes. um, this game, I think, is going to hit it right at home for you for uh, an obvious reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so while we were at uh, Zulu's, uh, we were actually having a, a meeting of people that had worked on Dice of Dragons. So like the team kind of got together and decided, we're going to play Dice of Dragons, because uh, this has been going out to backers. And so we have 
you know, all the giant wood meeples for the dragons and the people and the cards and all that kind of stuff. So we had a chance to sit down and, and play through the actual, like, finished, you know, production copy. And, uh, yeah, we fought against the Ice Dragon, and we, we thoroughly kicked its butt. So in Dice of Dragons, uh, it, you're going to be rolling a bunch of dice. You're rolling up to seven dice. Uh, if you get swords, then that gives you the ability to power up and attack this dragon. And the dragon is sitting on gold, that's basically its health. Uh, if you get uh, flags, and what you're going to be doing is handing those dice to other players, and they're going to roll, and they might be able to get things that helps them out, but they might be able to get something that helps you out. And uh, if you happen to roll flames, well, that's a bad thing, because that means if you get three, you're going to be attacked by the dragon. The dragon's attack strength increases each round. So uh, if something ends up getting attacked, the dragon goes and sits on him, and that's who he's going to attack at the end of the round. We somehow managed to get not attacked by the dragon through the entire game. That's and awesome. just powered up our attacks and just laid waste through him. It was uh, kind of, I was blown away by that happening. We just like synergized together as a team because it's a full co-op game, which is kind of rare for me to play. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we just, uh, we worked together and, and utilized our different abilities really well. And now I've played co-ops yeah, with you. Cool. Yes. And it's sometimes a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We actually did play Oathsworn some more. Shocker there. Uh, and he did very well and only had one argument with DJ. <laughs> yes. How wow. did he do it? <laughs> they were amazing. both arguing the same point from a different direction with the same result. Mm. And I was like, guys, we need to go. We need to well, move he was on. Arguing you both win. He's both point, good. His, he was arguing his point, and I understood that uh, Josh was correct that we were both correct in how in how we got to this you know, end point, but we went at in through different directions. But of course, I'm just arguing with him because you know it's fun to troll him. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he'll, he'll argue for days. And BJ asks why I don't want to host game nights at my house. <laughs> they even played Resistance at some point. Oh, there, I no. know. How did no. they do it? That is not allowed in my house. Uh, before we get distracted by by more Resistance talk, Sean, I think you have one more game for us. Yeah. So this has been really high up on the BGG hotness, and uh, this is Endless Winter by Fantasia Games. A lot of winter in this theme. I mean, we're doing good. Yeah, yeah we're we're sticking with the current theme of the day. Hey, uh, for those I, of you not in Seattle, uh, we actually went from 60 to 30 real quick on our weather temp here. So uh, <laughs> yes. right to the frigid games. <laughs> so, it's great timing. Yeah, right? Perfect timing. So this is an action selection game. So there are uh, a set number of actions on this giant board that are out. And you're going to be placing your worker on this action space and going through this list of actions. Uh, there are things like getting resources or getting cards or... Uh, going out and um, placing your pieces out on this other board to build huts, things like that. Um, if you were the first person to take an action, then you are able to get a bonus perk from taking that action. Everyone else, you're not blocking anyone. They can come along and take that action as well. They just don't get the, bonif the benefit. So there's a little bit of a race there as players are, are going out. Um, like, well, do I really need this perk? Now, this is also a deck builder. So the interesting thing about this as a deck builder is when you take a card, all the cards are face up. So there's no, you know, um, who knows what's, who's going to get what. You're actually going to take that card into your hand rather than putting it into a discard pile and hoping it shows up later. So you get a first play, essentially, of it every time. Exactly. Well, it's very important. You will have a very short game and very short turn 
especially early, you want to buy as many cards as you can because that's giving you the ability to have a much longer turn. Ah, I Yeah, because each card in your hand is basically the amount of work you can do. These are all people that are helping you accomplish things. So some actions may take a lot of work, some may take just a little bit of work, and there's some interesting synergies between them. Like some workers will generate like one and a half work. But if you have another person generates one and a half work, you've got two cards that generate three. So basically two cards for one. Which is, you know, for three, which is pretty cool. I've played a lot of card games, and two for ones, always <laughs> yes. a great deal. Always a great deal. So um, you're, you're kind of trying to hone your deck. There's a way to uh, get cards out of your deck so you can basically archive them, and there's a way to get points for the number of cards that you've archived because there's also this track that you're running up on the number of cards that you have killed off and the value of your resources at the end of the game. So you're also trying to like, well, I got to do things that like kick me up on this because the first person that gets to the top is going to get the most points for doing that action. The second person is going to get mo- less points and then third and fourth are going to be tied. And is that this giant raven I'm seeing on the board? Yes. That ah. is the, uh, yeah. That That's, thing looks cool. This is a, I mean, it's a really fun game. So it's, it's fairly, it takes like a, about a turn or so to kind of get into it, figure out kind of understand how things are working, but once you get going, you're like, oh, okay, I can kind of see how these things synergize together and, you know, how I need to kind of set myself up this turn and plan for, like, the next turn. Yeah, even if you can't really do anything, you're last to play or whatever, your card just didn't work out for you, the pass action is not passing you out. It actually gives you a few things and makes it worthwhile and a little bump so on your next turn you can pull ahead a little bit. Oh, so you're never really skipping a turn. Correct. Yeah, well, That's yeah. awesome. When you pass, you're just choosing to not take an action that turn. You're getting some bonuses, and then you can come back in and keep doing things as long as you have some worker to put out. There's nothing worse when you're passing in a game where you're like, and I'll just say goodbye to the resources this turn. <laughs> I didn't need them. I wasn't already losing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Endless Winter, Paleo-Americans. Yeah. From designer Stan Kordinsky from Fantasia Games? Fantasia Games, yeah. Nice. And Johnny Pack was one of the developers on this. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, guys, and thank you so much for that. I don't think I said it earlier, but DEI was by Ludus Magnus Studios. Oh, look at that. Many games to play over this holiday break, but moving on from games we played to games that you can back now because we just never have enough board games to buy. <laughs> Sean, what do we got on Kickstarter? Well, uh, if you're a fan of video games, then you might recognize a couple of these titles that we're going to talk about. So the first one is Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Oh yeah, this is a popular game. one. <laughs> yeah, so this is a great one on PC. So they're doing a board game version of this. Uh, and it seems to play exactly like you would kind of expect from uh, the computer game. So there's going to be some exploration. You're going to be choosing a faction. Uh, you're you're managing your town. You're building up heroes. You've got armies that are going to be going out and attacking. You're trying to dominate on the field. Uh, lots of different ways to kind of you know raise and lower things. Um, there's a ton of minis in this game. Uh, lots of cool like production value on it. Uh, this is by Archon Studios, who did Vanguard of War, which uh, Josh and I have played before, which had a pretty good BGG rating. Uh, that was a co-op game, a tower defense game we played. Another co-op time. game with you guys? Yeah, there, Josh this remembers a now. New, <laughs> a new it. Shaw, new age. <laughs> this is a competitive game. Well, this, is a, this one is a co-op, so it's a one-to-four-player game, co-op full, uh, plays in about 120 minutes. Now, the basic pledge is 78. That's going to get you the core game 
and the they call it non-azure stretch goals. So they have some stretch goals that are specifically for a certain tier that you back into. If you back for the Azure pledge, that's $124. That's going to get you kind of the upgraded version of the game, as well as those special stretch goals. Uh, there's a Grail pledge for $176, which gets you uh, a Battlefield expansion, a Fortress expansion, a Rampart expansion. So tons of more gameplay and more minis and more stuff. And then uh, there's the Collector's Pledge, which gets you all of that previous stuff, plus the art book, uh, hardcover, and some posters. I was really hoping for the Holy Grail level, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Holy Grail. So uh, that is uh, currently at about 1.8 million. They're doing really well. It's on the BG Hotness. Uh, There are about 12,000, 13,000 backers, uh, and it's going to be ending on November 29th. Next up is Zoo Tycoon, the board game. So again, another uh, famous PC title that many people have played uh, in board game form. This is just like the uh, those tycoon games where you would build almost like a theme park or something like that. But this mm-hmm. is, I assume, a zoo. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this was done by Tracer Games, who did Darwin's Choice, uh, which has a 7.5 on BGG. So this is another company that's actually done some stuff, and their game is their previous game has done really well. So um, this is going to be a one-to-four-player game. takes, again, about two hours, uh, up to 180 minutes. So this is going to be a longer game. The interesting thing I, I, I thought about this was that Zoo Tycoon, I kind of expected, oh, this is going to be a, an easier game to play, you know, more of like a level two. Uh, it seems to be a lot heavier than that uh, based on everything I've read into. It has offspring dice. Yeah. Of course it's going to be heavier. <laughs> These meeples are incredible, and I want yeah. to say this, they have elephants. Yeah, they have 230 animal meeples. Wow! <laughs> it's just an insane number. So um, if you have played Ark Nova, which is a zoo creation game, um, I think this is going to play kind of similar to that, where basically you're, you're building out your zoo, uh, you're trying to get different animals, and you know populating your zoo, uh, creating attractions for people, um, only big difference here is you actually get the meeples. Yeah, you actually you get, get the zoo. You get the zoo. It would actually like you know create this cool looking uh, looking zoo. Uh, this is eighty four dollars for the base game, which for all that they're giving you is actually a pretty decent price. Uh, there is a deluxe version which gives you screen printed meeples, and the uh, meeples are going to be printed on both sides. Uh, interestingly, it costs way more to print uh, screen print on both sides of a meeple. Huh. I have no idea why, but it does. Because you had to turn them over. It takes <laughs> apparently, time. Apparently. Have you ever flipped a meeple? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but have you ever flipped 30,000 meeples? Ah, no. <laughs> yeah. One elephant, actually, is all I could do. They're at uh, about 418,000 of their 78K goal with uh, over 3,000 backers. Um, there's not a whole lot of time left for this one. It's going to be ending on the 23rd, so definitely get in and check this out. We're going to jump over to GameFound now. Uh, in the world of GameFound, there is a MOBA-style game called Bestiary of Siglum. Easy for you to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, this is by Crowdy Games. This is a one, two, or four-player game uh, that will take 40 to 60 minutes. Two or four. Yeah. The, well, basically, teams? if you're doing four, it's, you have to be teams. Yes. Uh, there is an AI that you can play against, so they actually have a one-player version. Um, lots of cool minis in this. Like I said, very tactical, uh, MOBA-style gameplay, uh, turn-based, and um, 
uh, very fighty if you're uh, into that sort of kind of kind of gameplay. Uh, the art looks really cool. A um, lot of uh, interesting ways to interact with people and fight against people, different terrain types. Um, it's only $30 for the base pledge and uh, $45 if you want all the bonus content. They're currently at around uh, 9800 of their goal, which is they're hope hoping to get 20000 Now, you've got a little bit of time on this one. It's going to be ending on December 7th. But uh, get in and check this out. They, uh, they could use your help if uh, this interests you. Last up is we're going to jump to Backer Kit. Backer Kit. Backer Kit. Uh, back, so this one is Explosion in the Laboratory by our friends at Weird Draft Games. <laughs> I read library. I was <laughs> like, what is going on in this library? <laughs> well, it's interesting you say library because this is a prequel to Fire in the Library, also oh. by Weird Draft Games. Wow, look at that, Josh. You yeah, just knew. So you were kind of on the right track there. Uh, oh, no. it's Explosion in the Laboratory. This is a push-your-luck game, pocket-sized and uh, it's a one-to-four-player game. Now, it takes the concepts of uh, the way Fire in the Library was as this fire's building up and building up and kind of applies that down to a much more simplified uh, uh, card-based game. And it fits in, you know, pocket-sized container. Uh, really cool, uh, fun gameplay. They're currently at uh, $7,000 of their 2500 goal, so it's definitely going to be uh, printed out. Now, this is a little different. What they're doing is a pre-order system. They're not looking to see, hey, can we actually get enough money to make this? So they're not denying that it's a pre-order system like all the other? Backer they're gets just, a little weird. Like you can actually do a full it. pre-order. Yeah. That's good. I'm fine yeah. with it. They're yeah. just been like, yes, it is a pre-order system. Yeah. It's like we're going to we're, – we're making this. And if you want in on this to get you know, some special stuff, then you know, back now. Quick side tangent. Mm-hmm. Hasbro doesn't. Their yeah. Hasbro Pulse is a pre-order system that they'll only make if they get enough people. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. true. So, also, they're Weird Giraffe, which is a great name. <laughs> it, it is. is. <laughs> so there, because this is a pre-order, there's no end time listed. So um, if this is something that you're interested, you know, there will be eventually a cutoff that they'll post. But uh, get in and check this out. Uh, like you know, it's Fire in the Library has got a good you know ranking from from gameplay. Uh, Weird Giraffe does a really good job of actually sending things out. They've been doing quite a bit of stuff for quite a long time. So they're and they even have a a list showing here's all the stuff that we are currently working on as far as the production of this game. So uh, check it out. Explosion in the Laboratory. Sweet. <laughs> Not fire in the kitchen, which may happen during Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mm. I have lit my house on fire. Several times. The smoke alarms have been used <laughs> thoroughly in my house. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Uh, the great games we played, more games to be purchased. On next week's episode, we will talk some Thanksgiving games, games you thought would be great but didn't quite get there, and, of course, some PAX Unplugged news. And as always, oh, play nice. <laughs>